Hello and welcome to the Equiline Podcast. This is Dr. Wendy Corin. And this is Dr. Dave Lundquist. And today I want to talk to you about something that we notice every day in our equine, in our canine, and in our human populations. And that is the link between motion and emotion. And I know that we as humans like to place our emotions both on our dogs and our horses. And... and, um, that might be a good looking glass for you to take a look into, because as we know, horses have no prefrontal cortex, so they're not planning the way we believe they are. And they react. They react. react. And so how is it that the emotion of a dog, the emotion of a horse, and later on perhaps we'll talk about our own, affects their ability to move in the desired way that you would want them to. So, for example, you, we'll, we'll take easy examples. If there's a dog that is upset, let's say from a storm, and it's creating a fear-type emotion, how likely are they to sit, stay, heal, come, and do the things that you're asking them to do? Much less likely. Much less likely. Much less likely. They're not even paying attention to you, really. And you can yell at them to control their state and take charge of their emotions, and uh, most likely that will increase their fear state. And, and it just tenses you up all the way Exactly. So, so perhaps that's not the best way. Let's say you take a horse that is in a new situation and you've taken them right off the trailer and out to the activity that they're about to do you know, something falls over, are you going to get in the average horse the behavior you like, or are you going to get a spook, spin, buck, and unceremonious dismount on behalf of the rider? So motion is directly related to the emotion of both the human component and they're a four-legged companion and or competitor. Yeah, and this happens, and I've been to probably this a lesson that I've learned many times. The more upset I get when I'm trying to turn a horse neck that won't turn, the harder it gets to turn that neck. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> because they're reading you. Yes. And they're reading, oh, this is a confrontation. Therefore, I'm not going to do that. Or I'm going to confront you and win. Right, because we do know that fight or flight is a reptilian brain, dog, horse, human, llama, armadillo reaction. And so if you are going to help create the emotional response that's more conducive to the movement, the action, the performance that you desire, first you have to know what it is. So what's the emotion of choice? Picking the correct emotion is really important. When you're, if, you're, if I'm standing outside a stall, I need to be able to walk into that stall, clear whatever might have happened previously or with the last horse. And I've got to walk in with the correct smile, the, rec, the right facial expressions. Because one thing that uh, we've learned from reading horse brain, human brain, Horses recognize human facial expressions, and they have a 
understanding in their own brain of what that means. In fact, they can even recognize your emotion from a picture of you. Yeah, what's amazing is that you can show a horse an unhappy face and the most common reaction from that horse is to pin their ears back because they're sensing something that is not companionable with their state of mind. Whereas with a smiling face, they're more likely to be neutral or ears forward. They did find that they were more apt to react to something that made them uncomfortable, again, fight or flight, than they were, They're prey when, animals. you know, um, yeah. smiley, happy face, gee, let's hang out and go have some hay together. So understanding behavior allows you as a human to make a difference in your emotional ability to help guide their emotional ability. Yes. And when the, I, I know having done so many horse necks, that when <laughs> a horse is unhappy or in pain, a lot of times that can be a real struggle getting that horse to turn its head. Even with a treat, it can be, an, it can be a difficult thing. So you want to walk in emotionally stable. So that's not part of it because you, you want to bring that horse to a good place and ask it to turn its head. Yes, yeah, so as we talk about first establishing the can't or won't, and if they are poised to have to deal with an uncomfortable situation, then their personality is gonna come up. And their personality is whether or not they're going to go stoic and I can't move and you can't make me, or go, more in the, it's me or you, I think I'll kick your head off. So either way, the emotion creates the motion and we can influence that emotion. And certainly we've all in, in our animal relationships have seen this with dogs. And you know our good friends, Danny and Ron with the rescue dogs are able to utilize their awareness and knowledge of how controlling the, the environment can make or break the rehabilitation of something that has come from an uncomfortable or abusive environment. Yeah, and usually those abusive dogs, where, what are they? They're usually cowering in the back of the, back of the pen or the back of the room, wherever it may be. And it's, look at their posture. Their posture is inward. Right? It's just like it's just like us when we get hurt. What's our what's our physical stature when we get hurt? We have a tendency to go into flexion. And animals are pretty much the same way. They get injured, they go into a flexion type state, and that's a lack of motion. Absolutely. And you know, that's why we, we tend to link this motion and emotion. Because often movement also will help create a healthier emotion. So we can go this from the flip side. For you runners out there, more power to you. If you are in a certain state of mind, can you use motion to flip that state into a more desirable one? Absolutely. Get up and move around. Some of us have to move in order to think. Get up and dance. Get up and dance. Get up and change. It's really hard to be depressed when you're up and dancing. Absolutely. And it's, you know, we 
get this, we move this, we go for a walk, we do things to change this. And what we're hoping to do today is invite you to do it more intentionally, to absolutely go, I want to be more successful in my agility career, in my jumping career, in my dressage career. How is it that I must move in order to influence the movement? And we all understand about aids and we know about clicking and we know about how to react in a way that creates the action we want. Well, let's take it down to that basic level. How do you breathe in order to create the reaction you want. Yeah, and this is something that we've taught in seminars forever. This is part of our neurolinguistic uh, background is, is breath is so very, very important in, in how you're able to deal with things. I mean, when you get really shallowed breath, uh, you can think of it chemistry-wise. What happens when you go shallow? It holds more carbon dioxide in your system. You get more acidic. So these are the things that are the simplest thing to change. Breath is one of the easiest things to change, one of the most unconscious things to change. Well, you notice that with parents. You know, mothers will intuitively start to breathe with their children in order to calm a screaming child. It's, you know, we can choose to uh, take our breath work to the next level by saying at a time when there's anxiety, slow your breathing down. And when you slow your breathing down, the animals within your sphere of influence will literally change their breathing. Breathing more efficiently helps you move more efficiently because you need oxygen into those muscles. You know, you have, you have to have that intake and you have to have those muscles to be able to move. They need the energy to move, and that requires oxygenation. So breathing correctly, breathing deeper, getting more oxygen into your system helps you move more efficiently. So moving more efficiently as you walk into that stall or go to deal with that animal, how are you breathing? If you even just take one minute, step out of yourself, Think about how you're breathing. How should I be breathing? What's the most efficient way for me to be breathing right now? And you may not know that consciously, but unconsciously you do. So by asking yourself that question, how would I breathe right now if I wanted to be the most efficient I could be? And remember, all of you are holding your breath while you're listening to this, that exhaling is an important part of breathing. That inhaling and holding your breath tightens the muscles, exhaling, releasing your breath, relaxes. When you're inhaling, you want to be filling up. And when you're exhaling, you want to be getting rid of and moving through those toxins and getting them out of your system. So as we breathe slowly in, when going, even if you're walking into um the arena and you're about to show your dog and you hold your breath, the first thing they're going to just look at you and what's wrong? Because it's a change, it's, it's anxiety-based and they're going to breathe it, they're going to pick up on it. So as you choose to breathe in and counting helps, counting reminds you to exhale, will put you in a state, an emotional state that will allow you to move and your circle of influence 
the horse, the dog, the other humans around you will be able to move more fluidly because of that compatibility that breath creates. Yeah. yeah, having animals are like having walking biofeedback machines because they react according to what they read off of your body. And I remember when we did heart math uh, yes. a long time ago, and, and that was all about you know, you're controlling your heart rate basically through breath. And, and that's biofeedback, and that was all, but that was, that was all about. And animals are like walking biofeedback machines. They read you really well. Oh, and it's, it, you know, and they'll let you know if you're present or not. And if you want to move more efficiently and you want your animal creature to move more efficiently, you have to be present. You have to actually have your awareness, internal and external, in that environment. And by moving in sync with your animal, you are connecting and then improving your mo mobility efficiency. And just practice this. Just absolutely put, and one thing that's amazing is when you're petting an animal or even when you're grooming an animal, you can feel their breath and coordinate your breath with them and notice how much deeper, how much more relaxed, both of you are, and then how much easier it is to step forward. Yeah. And, and breath is just one aspect of it. There are so many other things to be watching for. One of the things I've been noticing lately is when I'm doing a horse's neck and I'm turning his head, I watch their eyes. Because if their eyes turn away from me, guess what's gonna happen with their head? Their it's head's gonna follow their eyes. And so that emotion creates an internal state into that animal that makes them try to do some, you know, they, they want to follow it. So it's things that you can pick up on that will increase motion or increase your ability to predict that motion. And, and that also comes to attention. When they're looking at you, they're with you. When their eyes are elsewhere, something else has gathered their attention. And when their attention, the body goes, whether it's yours or a dog's or a horse's, the body's going to follow where the attention goes. It's like, I don't know how I walked into that wall. Well, you were looking at the wall rather than looking in the hallway in between it. And, and that may be extreme, but for those of us who have actually walked into the wall, because our attention wasn't focused on where we really did want to go, that happens. And it happens with every animal, and our, we've seen it, you know, how, how did your dog get hurt? Well, it ran straight into the fence. Why? Because its attention was on something on the other side of the fence, more important than in its environment close to it. So excitement, too much excitement for what's going on can move your attention, your horse's attention, away from the task and into undesired behavior. So emotion, whether it's calmness or excitability, has to be in a balance that's adequate for the work you choose. Yes, so you have to choose the state. When you choose the state and you walk in with that animal and you get to breathing like them, and then slowly switch your breath to calmness, what you would consider calmness breathing, will bring that animal with you 
This is called matching and mirroring. And it's a very, very simple technique, but a very powerful technique because most of it's unconscious. Absolutely. So our goal for you is to bring some unconscious behaviors that work into conscious so that you can do your very best, have the greatest amount of performance, and control both the two highs and two lows. You can use this to wake up. You can increase your step when you're walking to increase the step and the energy level of who's walking with you. And you can slow it down to invite a different state. So we wish you the very best of control to get at the very best of the behaviors you desire. This is Dr. Dave Lundquist. This is Dr. Wendy Corrin, and this has been an Equiline Podcast.